The Athletic. Carl squashed in the Robinsons derby as Don's juicy start continues. Meanwhile, Stanley a second, Oldham are awful, and Salford are in need of some soccer aid after another limp loss. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello listeners, start of another week then. Plenty to talk about in the world of the English Football League. I'm Matt Davis-Adams. I'll do said chatting in the company of Sam Parkin. Hello Matt. And Adrian Clark. Hello to you. Mm, Hello to you both. Right, no championship action this weekend, so we'll be straight to League One after this brief interlude. Ah, the summer was fun, wasn't it? No allegiances, everyone getting behind England, three lions being sung everywhere. But now the Premier League is back. Get Grealish off the bench. Ah, he can stay on it at City. Pickford might have been a safe pair of hands. Now he's just a pair. Had enough of Jules Rimet dreaming. Now it's our turn to dream. So kiss goodbye to that vomit-inducing unity and welcome back proper football. Let's celebrate flair on the grass, not a flare up the... (coughs) Paddy Power. 18plusbegumbleaware.org You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. At League One headlines, Accrington Stanley second in the table, their highest ever position in the EFL. Crew have signed midfielder Magic Gomez, the Spaniard was a free agent after leaving Doncaster. Shrewsbury and Gillingham have both been charged by the FA following that brawl we enjoyed so much last week. As have MK Dons, who failed to ensure their players behaved in an orderly fashion in their win against Accrington. And Bolton have agreed settlements with creditors owed money from when owners Football Ventures inherited the club in 2019. Wanderers could have been docked up to 15 points had they not got that sorted. Uh, let's start our weekend review at Plough Lane where it was a landmark day for AFC Wimbledon as they won in front of supporters at their new home for the first time. It was also their first league success since opening day. Oxford went in front in the first half before the Dons turned it round after the break to win 3-1. Uh, Adrian, on Thursday's show we said there'd be goals and fun in this game and, and that's kind of how it turned out. Oh, it's brilliant. It was a wonderful game, end-to-end. And the atmosphere, that's that's what really stood out for me. Great noise inside Plough Lane. And yeah, it just made you think that even though they have a young, inexperienced side this season, and on paper you think, well, they're in for a tough ride here, playing back at Plough Lane in front of that support for a manager that they clearly adore playing for, that they want to run through brick walls for, they might just have something, AFC Wimbledon. And, and we saw that in this game they've clearly got great spirit the comeback kings aren't they I think four out of six games now they've been a goal down and they've picked up seven points from from those contests so yeah wonderful day for for AFC Wimbledon and they come out with great credit because that was that was a toughie against a really bold attack-minded Oxford team but they went toe-to-toe and they came out on top and and yeah scored a couple of set-piece goals of course but uh, it doesn't really matter how they go in uh, it's about winning the game, and that that was a that was a quality result for them. Sam, I know you had the weekend off. I'm sure you spent much of it, like I did, looking at Mark Robinson's LinkedIn page, where he says, "I strive to create intrinsic long-term performance by inspiring through values rather than motivating through reward." Uh, is that what he's doing? Do you know what? I think we even in the um, 
the AFC Wimbledon recent times since they obviously reformed and, and came through the divisions, latterly under Glyn Hodges and, and Wally Downs, it, it was the Wimbledon of old. You know, it was going a goal up and very much sitting in, defending and trying to get over the line. So when you look at the, the current AFC Wimbledon, it's very different, very different. Trying to outscore an opponent as strong and skillful as Oxford, they have to take enormous credit. And I've said a few times, this is a huge moment in their history. You know, pre-everything that went on as well, Wimbledon had a certain style. It was based on intimidation, being hard to play against. This is a very modern-looking football team. So this is a huge moment that they're ripping up everything that went before. You look at what maybe Newport have done in the last 12 months as not so much a benchmark, but another comparison as to a team that... Uh, got results, being very hard to beat and being very good at set pieces. Well, Wimbledon were that as well. And now this team that play some really nice stuff uh, and also continue to have the threat of set pieces. So it's a lovely combination. Love the third goal. And I don't think too much was mentioned about Asal's assist because that finish, as accomplished as it was from Rodoni, is made, his mind is made up because of the weight and the awareness of the substitute Asal's pass. So I thought that capped a really good game and a wonderful three points. And they're, they're, being, they're becoming very hard to beat, especially at home. Beat Swindon, Oxford and Ipswich tail end of last season. So nice habit to have. On that note, yeah, look, Sam's right. Their attacking games have gone with this more attack-minded philosophy. It's not about survival. It's about pushing on. And it, it is a landmark moment for them, no doubt about that. But they're still hard to beat. They may be harder to beat than if they were sitting off trying to keep a defensive shape. They've lost seven of 27 League One games under Mark Robinson. That's really good. That's outstanding. And uh, yeah, he's, 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 he's a likeable guy. And, and, and I think he's right when he says the only way we can take the club forward to the next level is to try and play in this manner. And yeah, the fans love to see it. Uh, he also used to work as a stadium tour guide at Stamford Bridge, according to his LinkedIn page. Uh, what about Carl Robinson? Sam, he got a lot of stick from the Wimbledon supporters, which I'm sure he was expecting as a former MK Dons manager. Pretty critical of his side's defending as well. And he had a point with those set pieces. Yeah, I mean, not not too much to concern me when I look at Oxford. I think I said that in the, the aftermath of their defeat at Bolton as well. Um, some loads of, loads of good football. I mean, James Henry played a pass in the second half. I mean, it deserved the goal. Um, it was amazing. And, and the one he struck the post with in the first half, um, there was the opposite, um, there was the opportunity for Taylor, I think pre um, Sykes's goal as well. So there was, there was a lot to like about the Oxford performance. I think Taylor's off colour um, right now, which is a bit of a concern. The set pieces, obviously defensively, the fullback area, not reinforcing those positions, which has been a problem area for, for Oxford going back 12 months when they suffered injuries last year. So there's a few issues, but nothing to overly concern me. And I think Oxford will be just fine. Um, they, like Wimbledon, like to play on the front foot, like to outscore teams and maybe just need to get things things a little bit stable defensively to, to be sure of having another successful season. Yeah, we think Oxford will be fine. Wimbledon going to the Emirates in a couple of weeks' time for a League Cup tie, which Clarkie will be hoping that Arsenal can spring a surprise in. Uh, next to the Crown Ground, where Accrington Stanley beat Shrewsbury Town by a goal to nil. Third home win on the spin for Stanley. Second in the table behind Sunderland on goal difference. 
And they they got a goal scoring forward all of a sudden as well, Sam, in Joel Mabongo, his first goal in English football on loan from Burnley. That might be the missing piece for them. Well, I thought that it was going to be a difficult game because Dion Charles was, was missing. So that's maybe why he got his, his opportunity and maybe he's done enough to get a, a run in the side now. I thought it was interesting that Accrington had a couple of players missing, uh, James Trafford, the number one goalkeeper as well uh, as Dion Charles, and, and, and went ahead and had to play that game, which um, you'd feel was quite unjust had they not got maximum points considering their importance to the side. But I thought they were full value for, for the victory. I thought it was probably a game which underlined that John Coleman has gone out and strengthened really intelligently all of the new recruits performing. Sam Sherrin, centre-back on loan from Bournemouth, uh, David Morgan in the middle of the pitch, Harry Pell um, as well. Um, some some really good performances. Mitch Clark from Leicester they signed as well, who's playing at right wing back and had a really good game. And and Shrewby just haven't got their recruitment right. That's what I felt in the in the wake of this game. Um, Steve Cottrell felt that they did enough to warrant a result. Well, not from what I've seen. It looked like Mark Amorosi was by far the busier goalkeeper and. Um, they didn't get anything once again. So they, they've got big problems. For Accrington, the, the story just continues to build momentum. What a job that John Coleman's doing. And I, th- I felt towards the end of last season, they may have enough to sneak into the playoff picture. And I wouldn't be surprised at all this year. They often, Adrian, start well, don't they, Accrington? And then they can kind of fade away as the season goes on. With those new additions that Sam's talking about, is that something that might mitigate against that this time round? You'd... You'd hope so. That's certainly the plan, I guess, for, for John Coleman. There were a couple of other players missing. I think uh, the captain, Seamus uh, Connealy, Joe Pritchard as well, O'Sullivan. So they really were depleted in this game. So you think about them coming back, they've got a really strong squad. Um, there were reports, I don't know if you saw this, guys, of uh, that, that they turned down a bit of over a million pounds for Colby Bishop. Now, I don't know whether that, can be true because Accrington turning down a bid of of over a million pounds for a striker that they they virtually got for free seems seems unbelievable if they did turn down a big bid then it it definitely shows that they mean business in terms of getting promoted this season because that's the only the only way you would be able to turn down that money is if you were going to give it a real go and uh, yeah I like I like the cut of their jib really hard to play against there's a metric out there called direct speed, which sort of measures how quickly a team moves the ball forward per second. And they're top of that, I think 2.38 metres per second. It sh- that shows you, A, they're a bit direct, but it also shows you that they can turn defence into attack very, very quickly. And um, yeah, so watch out for Accrington. No one's going to want to play them this season. Yeah, like Sam says, Shrewsbury in a better bother. Five defeats from six in the league so far. They failed to score in all of those losses too. Uh, on Thursday's show, Cheltenham gaffer Michael Duff told us he'd brought in Kyle Joseph on loan from Swansea to add goals to his team. Well, it worked. He scored 14 minutes into his debut against MK Dons, but the away side took a point courtesy of Hiram Botang's late leveller and Sam that MK will feel that's the least they deserve from a game in which they had 73% possession. Yeah, yeah, they will do. And, and, and the quality of the chances that they passed up, particularly in the first half, I think Charlie Brown missed one that flashed across the six-yard box and, and probably would put away nine times out of ten um, without thinking about it. So that that was a really poor miss. Um, and, and yeah, Hero Botang's been able to come on and salvage, I think, a couple of results now. Um, well, certainly he came on one previously and got himself a... 
a very important goal and he's back in the fold now after obviously not being fancied under under Russell Martin and finding himself out on loan so that seemed to be an inspired decision I think it's a game we're going to see over and over again and having um, listened back to that interview with Michael Duff I thought it was very open with you Matt and in his assessment I thought we saw that bear uh, truth again at the at the weekend that they're so confident when they go a goal up at just backing their defence and their goalkeeper as they did time and time again in League 2 I think with the added quality now that they find themselves up against in League 1 they're going to have to find a way of getting that second goal uh, and putting teams to bed and with obviously Joseph coming in I think they've now got a really good link player between midfield and the front line as you saw with his goal at the weekend I don't think they've got anyone else in that squad who's probably capable of dropping in getting the ball on the half turn and doing what he did. So that looks to be a, a brilliant bit of business, but unless they can build on their, I suppose their purple patches when they start really fast, particularly at home, they're going to, they're going to keep on coming a cropper like this. Particularly Clarky, when you look at their run of games, next six for them, Charlton, Oxford, Wigan, Sunderland, Rotherham and Pompey, they, they needed to get something out of Saturday's games, given that, that that's what's awaiting them in the next month or so. Yeah, they did. Um, and they haven't had a clean sheet so far playing against teams that maybe don't look as strong as that on paper. So they've really got to concentrate, haven't they, on 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 making sure they can get that clean sheet mentality. Sam's right. It's a different level. You can't sit on leads like they did and expect to to get away with it. And, and you, you, I know we talked a lot about long throws extensively in the last show um, but you can't get away for, away from it really with Cheltenham Sean Long can can do a long throw but it's not the same it's not the same sort of quality of delivery it's a different sort of flight path and they haven't nailed it yet and and until they do they're sort of 10-15% down aren't they in terms of their goal threat so they've got to work on that they're, they're going to have to come up with some routines um, but but ultimately it's it's keeping clean sheets because they yeah even though Joseph has come in they don't look like a team that's going to be prolific at this level unlike MK Dons who really really do I mean joint top scorers I looked at the who, who's had the most shots in the division three of their players are in the top ten Scott Twine three point two a game Parrot three a game Moisa two point eight shots a game yeah th- these are guys that are getting into goal scoring positions all of the time so uh, for them as well it's it's just about can they can they keep keep a shutout MK Dons alright let's get some odds with Paddy Power and wait a minute hold on a second that's producer Ben's music uh, yeah he's back for two weeks only as uh, Abby takes a well-earned vacation um, ben, let's see if you can still do this then. Give us some some odds on the League One promotion picture, please. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Yes, despite losing to Wimbledon, Oxford are 11-1. to 1. AFC Wimbledon, they're currently ninth, but uh, they are 40-1 to 1 to go up. And uh, Jack Rodonia, if he carries on scoring, that looks pretty tasty to me. Um, Accrington, meanwhile, five wins out of six this season, they're 45-1. to 1, And that seems pretty outrageous. Um, if you combine all of those three together, it comes out at just under 10,000 to 1 which I think might just happen. Crikey. You're paying for the end-of-season drinks if that one comes in then. Uh, Right, let's go to League Two next.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. League Two headlines. Harrogate top after their second 3-1 win against Mansfield of the week. They were the only team in the top four to win after FGR, Bradford and Swindon all drew. Sutton's game at Colchester called off after the EFL newcomers said a mixture of COVID cases and call-ups left them unable to fulfil the fixture. Probably hear more about that in the coming days and weeks. Uh, Elsewhere, Leon Clark hit the winner for Bristol Rovers on his debut for his 19th different league team. Uh, Rovers have also added former Republic of Ireland international Glenn Whelan to their ranks. And Mike Flynn isn't happy after a COVID outbreak in his squad meant some players who chose not to be double-jabbed have been forced to isolate. Flynn is himself still recovering from the effects of the virus. Uh, let's start our look back at the weekend's games with that between Carlisle United and Salford City in Cumbria. It went the way of the home side. Last season's top scorer John Mellish with his first of the campaign here proved decisive in the 2-1 victory. Spoken about possession already, Sam, Carlisle only had 37% of the ball in this match, but they were more clinical and, and better organised, dare I say. Yeah, and and pose a significant threat from from set pieces. Dick and Scott are a, a brilliant left foot, and he's the source of a lot of problems for opposition teams. and And that was the case here. I, I thought Mellish in in the second half in particular dominated this game, and he he was such a a pivotal part of their start to their brilliant start to to last season. Sixteen goals he got, and I still don't think he's completely. Um, I don't know. It's completely supported, maybe by by the Carlisle supporters. I think they they do get on his back at times. So this goal should act as the catalyst for him this season. He's part of a really good midfield, Riley and and Callum Guy. That's you know consistently their midfield three. It's a consistent shape, and it took him a while to get going in this game, but I think deserved victors after the second half performance, John Mellish's performance in particular, and keep on scratching my head about Salford. Yeah, my question for you, Clark, he was going to be, when is Salford going to sack Gary Bowyer? Uh, given their record, it can't be far off. No, I mean, managers at Salford City have been sacked for less, haven't they? Sacked for winning uh, they're, trophies they're in some afraid. cases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Um, it's a strange one for Salford because you look at the team that Gary Bowie has built and you think, well, that's definitely good enough to be operating at the top end of the division. You look at the stats, I mean... They're creating an awful lot of shots. They're, they're right up there among the most attacking teams in the division. They're having loads of the ball. I think, yeah, 57% possession average. So they're sort of controlling games, getting into the box, and it, it is the finish. 
It is. I mean, Conor McElhenney brought in from from Oldham, where he scored for fun, has has had a, I think eighteen shots, one goal. You know, it's not a great strike rate, and you could look around all of the the front players, expensive front players that are on a good whack there, and they're probably not really earning their money at the moment in terms of, of converting those chances. This game alone, I think eleven of the thirteen efforts they had were in the box, which again shows that they're making headway. So, so I don't think it's crisis point for, for Salford. I think that they're they're capable of picking up results under Bowyer, um, but but there's no denying that that they must be under under a lot of pressure there because yeah they're they're paid the big bucks for for a reason and that reason is that the ownership expect them to be a League One side next season. Sam, have you got a theory as to why they're firing blanks? Obviously, got Ian Henderson as well. He got 17 for them in the league last season. Is it down to individuals missing chances or not enough chances being created for them? Well, yeah, I think they definitely need another striker, Matt. I mean, Ian Henderson's 36 now. Um, Tom Elliott, they've got kind of in reserve if they wanted to go to an old-fashioned 4-4-2, if, if you like. But I don't think he's he's been the answer there. And... It's hard for me to add anything to what Clarkie says because if you look at the eleven, I mean, going back even to the fullback positions, Torre and, and Shepherd nearly as good as you can get, uh, and Darby is on loan from Ipswich at centre half. Started the season really well. They've got a goalkeeper who's played in Birmingham's first team um, as recently as the last game of last season. So uh, midfield as well, you've got London and Lowe who would walk into pretty much any League Two side. So. I am scratching my head, um, but I saw them the tail end of last season and they were missing opportunities, dominating the ball, nice patterns, um, and it was just that finishing touch. So having had a summer to get that right, I'm not saying it's time to start pointing fingers, but I felt they had the right man under uh, Richie Wellens. So they had a man who I'm sure would have had an idea about what the identity would have been for this season, a way of playing, if you like. And maybe that's something that isn't um, instantly clear when you watch them currently. So, yeah, I, I think they got that wrong. Um, but it is a bit of a head-scratcher. I think they'd have to they'd have to persist with Gary Bowyer, given what's gone before, and, and hope he can turn things around. But it is a alarmingly slow start. Well, it was a good weekend for Cumbrian sides against Lancashire opposition. Barrow 3-0 winners at Sorry Oldham. We'll get to the Latics shortly. Clarky, my hardcore analysis of Barrow is that I really <laughs> like their pink kit. It's lush. Um, <laughs> I guess you can go a bit deeper than that. Ninth after six games, a pretty acceptable start under Mark Cooper. Very acceptable start, I think. Yeah, it's fine. It's all going in the right direction. This was a great result, wasn't it? Obviously... Oldham are in trouble. We know that it's not happening for them off the pitch, or actually a lot is happening off the pitch, but n- none of it is positive. So it was one of those that have earmarked, right, let's go and, and make them pay. Let's get three points here. We're more than capable. But yeah, they went about their work fantastically. I thought all of the goals were were quality, although the last one was slightly lucky, I guess, a, fr- a free kick going straight in. But yeah, there's just a good energy about Barrow. They work really hard. They press you. They make life difficult, and then they attack, attack with with speed and and aggression. And and the two guys up front fascinate me because you got Zanzala and Josh Gordon, both forwards, but kind of forwards that that might have popped up in wide areas a lot throughout their career. So to sort of pair them together in this three four one two is is interesting. But but what it gives them is loads of loads of industry, lots of movement, 
and pace. Uh, and this was a fascinating stat stat that I found when I was I was I was sort of diving a bit deeper on on Barrow with genuinely hardcore analysis, uh, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Josh Gordon, the forward, has made the most tackles of any player in League Two this season, uh, almost four per game. He's also one of the most foul players. So what that tells me is that he's pressing, he's putting himself about at the top end of the pitch. And Sam will tell you when when the centre forward does that. It doesn't half um, inspire the players behind you. It, it sets the tone. And yeah, I, th- I think this was a very energised display from Cooper's side. What about Oldham then, Sam? It's a, a club close to your heart, having spent time there on loan. There was a pitch invasion at 3-0. Two supporters started it, others joined in. Game held up for three minutes. We, we nearly gave Rochdale the tag of crisis club of the season a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm glad we didn't officially do that because it's Oldham isn't it and you, you can't help but feel sorry for Keith Curl because he's the one who has to come in front up after after this kind of game and answer questions that aren't just about football yeah it's um, it's been the crisis club in, in my mind for probably five years in, in all in all honesty the the amount of managers they've that they've been through um, I think there's been a disconnect between the ownership and the supporters for, for that length of time we've seen sporadic periods of of quality from from the team but you know Oldham Athletic shouldn't be finishing the, the, the bottom half of of League Two that's that's clear to me six home defeats in a row um, it does have an effect on the players you know when the, the atmosphere is as toxic as it was at the weekend of course that filters down to the players mentality when you're out there because you, you could see the, the the crowd behind the goal when the goals went in yes they're there to, to they're, they're venting their anger towards people off the pitch in the hierarchy but it does filter down you know it's another reason for them to show their displeasure and I, I felt they did at the weekend understandably because Oldham shouldn't be 3-0 down at home against Barrow. So, um, yeah, they need that sorted out, clearly. Um, But I think the fans groups met with the owner on Zoom um, last week, which was a a step forward, you would think, but nothing got answered. I don't think there's any clarity there. There's no real plan in place as far as the supporters are concerned. And, And on the pitch, it goes from bad to worse. The one victory was a smash and grab at Sutton. Um, and if you look at what they're able to field right now, they're in trouble, big trouble. When you talk of some of the, the quality outfits that are in League Two now that we've already discussed today, I mean, Hallam Hope is a is a wide player, really, an attacking midfield player at best. He's leading the line with uh, Luamba, who's an 18-year-old kid who's just been thrown in for his first kind of spell of game. So they're, they're in big trouble. They were the highest scorers last year in a division apart from Cambridge, I believe, one goal less. That's not going to happen again. And the worst of defence in the division currently and the worst defence last season. So for my money, that's going to continue and that's not a winning formula. No, it's not looking good, is it? Um, Going back to the fans, uh, there was a petition and almost 3,000 supporters signed that petition to urging uh, Amsterdam to, to sell the club. That's actually more than the average home attendance if you take away the away fans per game. So, so like the entire stadium is is a, and more are against this guy and th- and this is a this is an owner that that has given his managers an average of 19 games in charge. 19 games, eight managers. So, yeah, it's just a revolving door and and there's there's no progress, only only you know a backward 
trajectory, really. So, yeah, they're, they're in big trouble. I think I tipped them to go down at the start of the season because of, of the off-the-field issues. And, uh, yeah, unless they sort things out quickly, that's that's where they're heading. Yeah, last few years feel like a fever dream, don't they? They had that fan who was who was in the away end at Fulham one week and then managing the team the next. And they had Paul yeah. Scholes having a go at it for a bit and not much joined up thinking. Uh, last game for us today, the goal fest in the Potteries. Rochdale winning away to Port Vale for the first time ever in what was their 27th attempt. 3-2 was the score here. Uh, Sam Vale had three clean sheets in four before this. So what went wrong here? I think um, a group of players at Rochdale that are really acclimatising to the division well. Stacks of quality, Morley and, and Dooley, Kiahan, um, clearly got probably too much for this level. It's not a it's not a a deep squad full of quality, but I thought they, they gave a really good performance here. Beasley, very good all round performance in attack. Clinton Morrison was saying how much work he does around the pitch. He said it about 50 times he, uh, <laughs> the weekend. So um, I, I'm taking his word for it. Uh, I'm going to focus on the goals, which were two brilliantly taken goals for, for a player who's obviously not, you know, had a stellar EFL career to this point. But um, yeah, they're, they're looking to business and, and Port Vale are just so inconsistent. You can't work them out. It's a bit like Salford with them. Um, you know, last week they looked like absolute world beaters at Forest Green Rovers. Um, Garrity in particular, I highlighted last week, who was all action. He was taken off early in, in, in this game and they were... They were chalk and cheese from, from from that performance. So, no, I think Rochdale have got a system which looks really easy on the eye. Three four three, get players into wide positions, and as we saw at the weekend, get balls in the box. So, a lot to like about them, and, and probably a managerial appointment on on the face of it, which looks like they've they've got right someone who wasn't too dissimilar to what they had before, and and someone who's getting the best out of some very good. It's just some very good ball playing footballers that they that they've got at Rochdale, and um, yeah, they'll continue to be the entertainers. I would predict at both ends. Let's hope so. Yeah, um, Clarky, two points between them at the moment in the table. If I was to force you to make a decision, who who would finish higher in the league? Do you think out Port Vale and Rochdale? <laughs> oh, that's a really tough. That's a real tough one. Um, but I would have said Port Vale. Um, yeah, especially after last weekend's win. At Forest Green, um, but but I'm I'm with Sam. I do I do like I feared for Rochdale, but but actually looking at the the talent that they've got, and that the manager and how they all seem to be on the same page, even though they've got defensive fragility, they're exciting, and I think they will win a lot of games. Rochdale. So do you know what? I'm I, I'm going to flip it around and say that Rochdale will finish above them. Um, what? Daryl Clark needs to do is work out what what sort of team he wants them to be. Stockdale is very clear about that. What I also like about Stockdale is uh, uh, Rochdale is that he's taken the the great football that, that Brian Barry Murphy had, but he's also said, look, when it's not on to play at the back, I want you to leather it away. And he made a point of saying that in the game uh, because they got caught overplaying at the back. So so there's a nice balance there but with Daryl Clark. He started the match with the back three. At halftime, he changed it to four. And then midway through the second half, he changed it again. And I just feel that that is not really the best way to, to, to go about your business in the te- technical area. So much chopping and change, it just causes confusion for players on the pitch. I've been on pitches. It's like, what? What are we doing now? What? We flip it, flip it around. 
And you just think, God, let's just stick to one way, can we? Um, so, yeah, three three different systems in one game. Uh, too much. It's only just occurred to me that Rochdale are managed by Robbie Stockdale. He's like the Arsene Wenger <laughs> of League Two. Um, sort of. Did you know as well they broke one of the longest bogeys out there? It was um, 27 games without a win at Vale Park, stretching all the way back to 1930. So, yeah, well done. To Rochdale, that's you know the the gods were conspiring against them for for a long time, um, but yeah they pulled it right out of the bag. Well played. Is, is broken a bogey uh, a phrase? <laughs> You've broken something today. That's the first. Certainly going to be the name there. of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no idea what I'm talking about, but look, it was a it was a long it was a long old run, and uh, yes they've uh, they've overcome the hoodoo. Yeah, I was going to say it might be you might break a hoodoo, I think, uh, yes. or break a duck. Who knows? Let us know at the Totally Show. No, no, thanks, Sam. No, I'll learn from that. (laughs) Uh, Ben, save us, please. Uh, Give us some odds on on the League 2 relegation market. I'm feeling like finding out about what Paddy Power is saying as regards to that. Yeah, we did promotion in League 1, so let's do relegation in League 2. Sam's very inconsistent Port Vale. They are 10-1 to to go down. Oldham, with those six home defeats in a row, 16-5 to for the drop. And following their 2-1 defeat to Carlisle, everyone's second favourite side, Salford City. They are 19-1 to to go down, and let's hope it happens. Thanks, Ben. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. All the Paddy Power app, all odds are accurate at time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Uh, Before we go, given that pitch invasion protest at Oldham on Saturday, I wondered what would the chaps here like to protest about? It can be extremely broad, this. You don't have to invade a pitch. It doesn't have to be football related. It can be anything. Just tell me, Sam, what's grinding your gears at the moment? Uh, oh, there's a, I've got a huge list in front of me of, of everyday stuff. It generally uh, it involves like people with bad habits on aeroplanes and uh, and stuff like that. But I'll keep it football related. I'm just going to go for something I know is quite close to your heart, Matt. Actually, uh, just footballers' tweets after games. Um, if they're thanking the fans, tell me what they particularly liked about the fans' performance. Was it a particular song? Was it a witty? retort to the home supporters you know was there a rather good looking person in a in one of the rows do not tell me that the fans were great and um the team were brilliant and we'll go again tuesday although great to get a goal at the end tell us what you really feel you know if i won three two when i was playing and i scored a hat trick i wasn't going home and thinking about the team if we were in mid-table obscurity (laughs) I was thinking about who was going to be buying me champagne that night, which picture was going to be on the back page of the paper, how many noughts it put on my transfer fee, and how much, you know? Let's have a little bit of honesty. Thinking about your mark in the paper, surely you'd get a nine, you know, things like that. Let's have a little bit of honesty. I don't want to see any cliches. Let's have a little bit of personality or let's not have it at all because it absolutely drives me mad. Yeah, I'm calling for a ban on fans were unreal, flames emoji. Uh, See also... When anybody gets called up, always an honour to get selected for my country. Yeah, it goes without saying, so you don't need to say it. Uh, Clarky, can you improve There's on that? People celebrating assists. I've seen people celebrating <laughs> assists. That's that's really gets my. <laughs> come on, great to get an assist. Oh, come on, Sam. That's, for some of us, that's all we had. <laughs> Where are you going with this one, Adrian? 
I look, I, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that I would sit in um, in a club shop and and protest at the prices of, of football kits. Uh, my two children are at the age where they can they want the kit. You know, they they, they want the, the the kit of their favourite team and. Yeah, I've, I've, it's my fault as a parent. I've gone down that route. I've, I've been sucked in and, and every year we do it. But I went to the Leicester City shop. That's a, I sort of split the loyalties between Arsenal and Leicester. Um, that's the sort of family divide. I went into the Leicester City shop the other day, right? Mini kits, 50, 55 quid. I can take that. You know, you get the socks. It's a lot of money, but but you can, you can take it. But they stopped making them after five to six so my daughter, who's who's five, she needs a six to seven. You have to pay seventy-seven pounds for a shirt and shorts. The shorts were twenty-seven quid, right? And you don't even get socks. You don't get socks for that. So for me, it's exploitation. There should be a price cap on 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 kits. I know that there's a high demand, but it's an absolute rip-off. And yeah, I've got to go back to the Leicester shop this this week to get something else and might just sit in there and protest until until they lower the prices. It's a joke. And the vicious circle is Clarky, if you get if you bought them a snide one from a marketplace, <laughs> ain't gonna go down well with their peers, is it? And you probably <laughs> And they'll probably get picked last in the um, in the playground as well for the match. <laughs> yeah, you know it. You know Can't it. Can't so, slide. Yeah. So, but look, uh, one thing I've got to say because because I, I, you know, don't tell the kids, but but I, I've invested in the Arsenal away kit for for Christmas. They got to wait for that. Significantly cheaper than Leicester. So there you go. Yeah, well, the, the big boys aren't aren't all rip off merchants. Well, at least your kids wear them. I bought my son the whole forest kit, and it is one of those baby ones, so it's fifty quid. He put it on. I took a photo of him. Thirty seconds later, he said, "Can I take this off now?" And he's refused to wear it at all since. Uh, he knows more about forest than I thought he did. Um, clearly, I was going to go with self-service checkouts because they've been around for about 15 years and I've still never successfully negotiated one without there being an unexpected item in the bagging area. But if we're keeping it football, I would say the phrase in a good moment is one uh, that's got oh, to go. Yeah. Um, it's one of those mm. things that's come in. I blame Jose Mourinho for it, but somebody brought it in a few years ago. We're in a good moment. Not grammatically correct. We're having a good spell. It's a good moment for us at the moment. Perfectly acceptable. We're in a good moment. Not a not a saying. Also, aggressivity. That's not a word. Don't say that in a post-match interview. Hey, hey Matt, that that in a good moment. It's you're completely it's pigeon right. English. You're completely right. Uh, do you think it's it's become like almost a bit hipster, a bit trendy? They've seen a few of the big guns doing it and thought, oh, I'm going to have a go at that. Absolutely, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. Because English players weird, say it all it? the time now. It's very odd, isn't it? It but doesn't yeah, make I think any it's, sense. The, it's almost as if they they think they're 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 they're, they're sounding sophisticated. As they're doing it, but it completely doesn't make any sense. Excellent. Well, listener, we feel like we're in a really good moment uh, just now. So if you could join us on Thursday for the preview show, that would be much appreciated. Uh, until then, many thanks to Ben, to Adrian, and to Sam, but mainly to you for joining us. As I say, back again on Thursday. We'll speak to you then. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad free on the Athletic app. And keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic.